Hello and welcome to another edition of the Show Game Podcast with me, Sean Colfer. I have wrestled my microphone back from Fire and we'll be running today's episode. We are going to be looking at the National League teams. We're going to be previewing the National League, who looks good, who might be able to do well, who might be able to upset the hierarchy, I suppose, looking at the teams lower down, who or perceived lower down, who might be able to make some noise. And we'll be talking to a few teams about their preparations, about their aims for the season, about what they're trying to do, and just getting a, an inside perspective, I suppose, from the camp about how they're feeling about this new structure. So uh, I'll talk about the mixed division first, then we'll go to women, and then we'll finish with the open division. So let's get right into it and talk about the mixed division. The first team I'll mention for the mixed division is Mighty Hux, and that's for a pretty specific reason. So Mighty Hux are going to be as good as they usually are. They're going to have players from the best teams around the country on the open women's side, and they're going to be very, very difficult to, to beat. They'll be very athletic and play the usual game, which is a generally throw it long to incredibly athletic people and, and let them make plays down the field. So they're going to be a tough matchup, but uh, led by their, their captain and organiser, Ben Bruin, they are not going to be taking up a Nationals place if they do finish in the top three of the National League. So while Mighty Hucks are going to be a good matchup and they're going to probably win some games and, and make some noise in the competition, even if they win it, even if they finish top of the National League, they will not be taking up a Nationals place. So just to get that out of the way right at the beginning, while Mighty Hucks are going to be really good, they won't be taking up a Nationals place. So there's not too much to talk about in terms of their aims and where they might want to go this season. They're aiming to play a lot of frisbee and have some fun. So good luck to them. The next team I want to talk about is Smog for a couple of reasons. They're an interesting case in in UK Ultimate at the moment. They obviously sent two teams to Euros in 2019. No UK team has been able to do that before. So pretty impressive stuff in terms of their squad depth. You can talk about how those two teams did when they were there. Smog won, national champions obviously finished ninth. Smog 2 finished 11th. Probably, I would say, disappointing results given the talent of those two squads. But nevertheless, the amount of talent within the Smog squad is pretty amazing. And they've certainly replicated that for the 2021 season. It's a 44-person squad with two teams. Those teams have already been announced. And both teams look like pretty certain bets to qualify for Nationals. I think Smog 2 in the Cup are going to be extremely difficult to stop. And Smog 1, their depth in their roster, particularly on the female side of their roster, is extremely intimidating. They have GB-level players like Tess Hunt, Rachel Turton, Lucy Hyde, and a number of others, with the addition of Nick Williams and Tom Bennett on the male side as well. They've added people like Rachel Maiden and Alice Hansen from Leeds, both of whom played for GB Women in 2019. They are going to be as strong as they ever have been, if not stronger. And it's a real possibility, I think, that not only are they going to send two teams to Nationals, which they've done already, but I think they have a legitimate chance of sending two teams to Worlds, which would be unprecedented, certainly from the UK. And I can't think of too many countries that would reasonably be able to send two teams from the same club to a World Championship where there's a decent number of people playing. 
you look at maybe developing countries with fewer players where there's one dominant club and they can send two teams from from that one club but if we're looking at a country where great britain is a an ultimate playing nation with a long history and a lot of players to send two teams from one club to worlds would be pretty amazing and if there's somebody who can do it this season there's one team who can do it this season that team looks to be smog so it's going to be really interesting to see how they handle their mixed side they're obviously also entered into the women's division as we'll talk about soon but in a mixed sense and that's certainly where their focus is from a competitive angle it's going to be fascinating to see how they do and how that split squad does so i think we'll be talking about smog in the coming weeks all the way through to nationals uh, both teams uh, look to me like they're positioned to make a run but we'll see how the season goes for them moving on to the team that smog defeated in the 2019 national championship and who also went to Euros that year, but had a much more successful Euros in terms of finishing position, is Deep Space. Deep Space finished fourth at that European Championships. Uh, a great result for them. And the first kind of time they made real noise on the European stage. They were looking to build on that in 2020. Uh, obviously, that didn't happen. And now we're looking at 2021. And now they're aiming for a world's place. There's a few changes in this team. For this year, there's a lot of familiar faces, people like Smat Hodgson, one of the captains, and Connor Hogan, another one of the captains, are, are still around from 2019. Players like uh, Layla Deniston, Sam Vile, Joe Hamer, Josh Coxon Kelly, Gus Morse, all been with Deep Space for a number of years. But some of the players who have played less of a role with Deep Space because of the pandemic made the squad in 2020 and are now returning for 2021 are definitely people who can make an impact. Looking at people like Americans Nina Findlay and Tim Gilboy, it looks to me as though they have a pretty strong roster. Their men particularly look to be difficult matchups. Uh, I think looking at the matchups with Smog and with Mighty Hux and with, with Reading, it's going to be interesting to see which of these teams is able to maximize what they have the most and win these games. I think at the moment I would lean towards Smog being favored in those games, but Deep Space look in a very good position to achieve their aim of qualifying for Worlds in Cincinnati in 2022. They have lost a few players to other divisions. Their club members list includes a few women who have made the Iceni team, uh, looking at a couple of people who I suppose might have wanted to step back slightly from the com more competitive aspect uh, of the game, got other things going on in their lives. And I think they are going to miss a little bit of the added element those players might be able to bring. But overall, this is a team that should very well be that should be very well set up to make a real impact at the top of the National League. And I think they're going to be aiming to, you know, if they're not aiming to win it, they're definitely going to be aiming to qualify for Nationals directly from the National League. And once we get to Nationals, who knows? I think this is a team that could that could qualify for Worlds, has the talent to do so. The next thing to talk about is the long-standing mixed power that is Reading Ultimate. Reading are focusing on WCC 2022 qualification from a competitive standpoint. So they'll still be entering teams into open and women's tournaments this year, as Reading always do. They enter into every division. They have a lot of players that play there. The club has always been very well run for a long, long period. And they've got talent kind of throughout all of the teams. Even if they are focusing on mixed, those teams, the women's and open teams, will be pretty good. So it's easy to expect a level of consistency and competency from Reading. But to look at mixed specifically, they are focusing on that. Their captains have already been, already been announced. 
Bex Palmer, long time. Reading Stalwart has played for GB on uh, you know different a number of different levels. Played for Reading at European Championship victories. Played for Reading at Worlds. They also have Pepe Espinosa and Ryan Coons, two players who are newer to the leadership roles. Uh, Ryan has also made the Clapham squad that we'll be focusing on on Reading, I'm told for for this season and for this qualification round. The team, I'm told, is pretty much what you would expect from a Reading team. It's the, the usual group. So you'll be looking at people like Mark Bignall, um, Bex, and people that have played with Reading for a long time. So they have that kind of cohesion, chemistry, consistency already built into their, into their squad. So they're going to be tough to play against. They're going to be tough to beat. In terms of the National League specifically, they are aiming at world qualifications and so have had a trial process to make sure that everybody who's expressed an interest in playing at the top of the division wants and wants to play with Reading to do that is able to do it. I think they're going to also have an addition of some of the people from the under 24 mixed team from Heidelberg. We're looking at people like Dumb Knight, uh, for example, I, I'm told is, is going over to play with Reading. I think Nicole Lester, former sick player, might be going over to play with them as well. So they're going to have some younger players who are adding into that usual Reading team. So it's going to be a very competitive team. They're going to be trying out some new ideas in the National League. They're going to be trying out some new tactics, but their aim is to be as competitive as possible and focus on getting to nationals and, and really doing the job of getting into the top three once they're there. It's difficult, I suppose, to really say how they're going to match up alongside teams like Smog and Deep Space and even Mighty Hucks because I've seen the rosters for those teams. But I haven't seen a roster for Reading, but I'm confident in saying that they are going to be, at the very least, a really tough team to beat. So I'm confident in saying they'll be making nationals. Can they make worlds? I suppose we'll see. I suppose we'll see what everyone looks like. But I think they realistically are going to be one of the top four teams in this division when we do get to nationals. And I think they have a real good shot at qualifying for worlds in Cincinnati, returning to Cincinnati in 2022. The other two teams in the mixed division this year are perhaps a slight run below the top four, which... I know is uh, might seem something of an insult to those teams because they're clearly working hard and they've been putting a lot of time and preparation in. But to take one team, for example, Glasgow, they have had to deal with a lot more tough logistical issues than the English teams. Scotland has had different lockdown conditions. They have not really been able to train as much as the teams in England or train as effectively as the teams in England might have been able to do. But they've also lost some players to Scram and Alba and, and to moving away from Glasgow. So they are not quite the team that they were in 2018. They'll still be good. They'll still be a good, solid team. They'll still be able to cause people some problems and they'll still score points. I'm not saying this is a team that's going to be absolutely wiped out in every game they play. They're going to be pretty good. I'm just not sure that they have the strength in depth to be able to compete with the top four teams in this division um, and the top four teams in this league including Mighty Hucks. Their two captains, Audrey Fournier, Millencon and Ben Cornelius, have been really trying to drill the squad and get them ready. Uh, I think they'll be looking to try and qualify for nationals. They may have to do that through the games to go. But even if they do have to go through the games to go, the teams that are coming through the cup are going to struggle to to match up with this Glasgow team. They still do have enough strength to, to make those games competitive. And their main goal at the moment is to try and train and compete safely at the highest level possible. I know they're excited to get back into playing um, and I'm sure given that the regulations in Scotland will be changing this weekend, they are going to be very excited to get back into properly competitive games that 
they haven't been able to play for a while. And the final team to talk about is Birmingham. Birmingham Ultimate have had a really good few seasons and have put themselves in a position that this inclusion in the National League is definitely not a stretch. They are one of the top mixed teams in the country and have been for quite some time now, qualifying for national championships when they've been focusing on the mixed division and even in mixed tours, they've been really, really tough teams to play against. I know I've played against them a number of times and the, the game they play, the tactics they play, it's very, very tough to stop. When the National League was announced, they were, I think it's fair to say, taking it back. They hadn't really been planning for the season that much when they got the invite. So they've really been trying to get people out playing again. They've got obviously teams that compete in every division. The same people from Birmingham compete in the open women's and, and mixed divisions for that team. They have to choose one division. So they've had to work out whether they actually had a team that could enter. They have done so. They have got a team together. I'm sure that team is going to be the usual Birmingham team. It's going to be a fairly short line. They're going to have a really strong and really effective deep game. And they will be taking their place at nationals if they make it. But for them, this season is really kind of taking shape. And I think they're just going to be happy to to get out, play some competitive games. And again, this is a team I expect is probably going to be in the games to go against teams coming up from the cup. Once they've had those games against really high-level competition, I don't doubt that this team is going to be able to put pressure on those national cup teams and potentially qualify for nationals. They certainly have the talent to do so. But I think this is a team that we need to see how it shakes out for them during the during the whole season in the National League and, and kind of reassess as we get closer to nationals. So that's the mixed division. In case it's not clear, I expect that the top teams in this division are going to be Smog, Mighty Hucks, Deep Space and Reading. I expect all four will qualify for nationals. I think one of those teams might have to go through the games to go. Mighty Hucks are not taking up their place, but if they finish in the top three, it'll mean one of the other three have to go through the games to go. And Mighty Hucks have got players from Clapham and Iceni and from other strong open and women's teams around the country. They could cause an upset, so to speak. They could throw a spanner in the works of someone's season. Not sure whose season. If I had to put money on it, I might say Reading, but... Whatever happens, the mixed division is going to be really interesting in the National League. And once we get to Nationals, the fight for those top three spots to try and get into a world's place uh, is going to be extremely interesting. So I'm looking forward to that. Next, let's talk about the women's division. So going in alphabetical order for the women's division, the first team to talk about is Bristol. Uh, Bristol were the last UK team to win the national championship in 2018. Uh, given the Gravity won the final championship that we've seen in 2019. And Bristol have seen their squad go through quite a transformation since 2019. Uh, there's a lot of experienced players who were not on the squad that they've announced this season. It doesn't include players like uh, Jen Hart, Rachel Dean, Sarah Hammer, or Georgie Davin, to name only four. There's plenty of other extremely talented and tenured players who are not on that list. Uh, and there's also some new faces that uh, we haven't seen playing for Bristol and who haven't played at this kind of level before. But there is still a lot of talent here. I mean, you only need to look at the trio that play, played GB Mixed, Bailey Melvin-Teng, Alice Beeching and Captain Carla Link to see that there's enough on this team that's going to be a match for anybody. And they have Nationals winners, they have GB players, both you know former and present on there as well. So while it's going to be a different-looking Bristol this season, um, they're still going to be a strong team. They are approaching the season with a focus on finding their flow, particularly early on in the season in the National League, because it's been so long since anyone's played. Um, they've selected a smaller team than usual. Usually they'd have quite a few more legs, but but given that the games are going to be 
one-off, maybe two games per day. Uh, they've decided to select a smaller squad to maximise that playing team for, for every member of that squad uh, to give them enough time to develop and kind of get into the groove of their game. Uh, the leadership is obviously aware of the WCC qualification uh, angle, you know, finishing in the top three at Nationals, but it does seem as though their plan is to really just try and get back to a good level that everyone enjoys, that everyone is comfortable in, and that they can play their best Frisbee um, and then you know, see what happens through the league and deal with Nationals and qualification issues if and realistically looking at this team when that does come around. Um, they also have two coaches, uh, new coaches. Ruth Taylor uh, has played for Bristol and been an important part of the team, so uh, it's very much keeping it within the family. Um, but they also have Ben Hall, who is doubling up duties with Devon. Um, I'm told that both coaches have been vocal encouraging presences at the trainings they've had so far, um, and that fits in with the atmosphere that Bristol seems to be trying to generate this season in terms of getting everyone back into playing again, and enjoying playing the positive and, you know, tactically aggressive style that we saw from in 2019 and 2018. They, you know, they take a lot of shots. They, they really like to push the disc down the field uh, very quickly. Uh, they start the season against Sick, which is going to be a really good barometer for both teams early on. Um, and it'll be fun to see whether they're able to kind of recapture the form that saw them dominate in 2018 um, or even the form in 2019 when you know, they were a very good team who, um, who came up against a very strong Nationals field. Next, alphabetically, are Iceni. Um, Iceni are, are coming into this season having not won the national title since 2017, which is, uh, for Iceni standards, uh, you know, a drought considering the massive success they've had over the years. They also didn't win a, a medal at Euros in, in 2019 for the first time since 2005, which is an absolutely amazing run of sustained success. Um, even though they didn't win nationals or win a medal at Euros in 2019, they, they won a silver at nationals and finished eighth in Europe. So... It's not as though it was a bad season. The team's undergone some changes, a familiar theme that we're going to be coming back to a number of times here, with recent captains Fiona Kwan and Karina Cooper not in the squad this season. There's a couple of other key players who aren't returning either, but they do have 10 new players. Some of them are pretty well proven at the elite level. Uh, Becky Thompson has played for SICK and for SMOG at Euros and was on the GB women's squad that was going to be going to 2020 Worlds, as well as a Canadian under-24s team a few years ago. So she brings a lot of quality in, on the disc and a lot of experience. You also have the uh, the former Scottish group of Ellie Taylor, Hayley Dalman and Casey Flight, who I'm sure are still Scottish. I probably phrased that badly, but they used to play in Scotland and they've all played extensively at the top level in mixed um, and have proved themselves capable at level of GB teams as well. They obviously were in Cincinnati in, in 2018 with a couple of different teams. So while this ICN squad looks a lot different to previous years with these, these new players, one thing that, that does remain is that if things get down to a, a real crucial point, a nail-biting point at the end of a game, they have a very good group of players who can make a significant impact in those key spots. Uh, captains Hannah Brew and Amelia Kenneth, uh, among those players, uh, they're among the best players in their roles in, in the division. And they also have players like Karen Kwok and Granny McCarthy returning, um, who are going to make a real significant impact as well. The top of the division does look fairly open just because of the amount of change that we've seen. So it's going to be interesting to see how Iceni do considering that. But I think at this point, looking at the squads that, uh, that, are, that are out there, Iceni are pretty well positioned to try and win back the crown that they haven't won since 2017. Uh, next alphabetically is the team that I find, I think, most interesting in the women's division, which is Red. And they're a really interesting case study, I think, in the context of the National League and the structure that we have this season. A few years ago, Red were fairly low down the standings and were battling out with teams that were not really that close to making quarterfinals at tour events. 
Uh, whereas now they're playing with the top four UK teams at the last nationals and the women from the strongest mixed team in the UK. So they have really come on and developed to another level. This is definitely another level than that we've seen Red play in before. And the reason they're at this level is because they've earned it over the last few years. They've been getting incrementally better and they put themselves in a position to experience this new system and to, to get these games against these incredible teams. And I think it's a really a story that shows the investment of time and effort into the real development of a Geo team can have a really great impact, not only on the playing ability and the results of that team, clearly Red are a better team than they were four years ago, but also on the people who play in it. And I think good examples of that are the, the two captains who I spoke to, Sasha and Ella. Um, I spoke to them about this season, about what they're trying to achieve from it. So let's hear from them. Uh, I'm Sasha. Um, and I'm Ella. And we're the women's coordinators for Red Leicester. Great. Thank you both for joining me. You are in the National League this year, the first year of the National League, and you're in the top six teams in the country. So congratulations for that, for the, the work that the club's done up to this point to get there. Um, how are you feeling about it? And how is the club feeling about it, being in this, in this you know, first year of this new structure? I think most of the club is excited that we've been given this opportunity and that Red's been recognised. But I think we're a tad nervous ourselves. Yeah, I think it, for some of the older members of Red, it's kind of nice to get the recognition because they've worked so hard to get there. I think a lot of, because we have got a lot of development players and us having been on a development squad up until kind of now, it's a lot of a lot of pressure. Well, not pressure, but it's like exciting to go forward and have high-level play to look forward to. So with this like, high-level play to look forward to, how long have you been building up to it this season? Like, when did you start training? How many sessions have you had? How have they gone? So we've started training as soon as we were allowed under COVID restrictions, but kind of more specifically focused on National League within the last month. So because we're quite spread around the country, a lot of it has been kind of adapting where we can. So playing like boys be girls on Mondays, which has given us a chance to kind of do tactics um, mm. and gel a bit, um, which have been quite nice. But we've also got some friendlies planned and then some women's only sessions on the weekends where we can kind of go over things in a bit more detail. But yeah, I think things have been going I've been happy with how things are going. It's made me more optimistic, I think. Yeah. Great. Is there any of these opponents? I mean, I don't know if you've played any of these opponents before, any of these teams. Is there any one of these teams that you're specifically looking forward to or excited about or uh, dreading? I don't know. I don't really know. What do you, what, what's the, what's the, the thinking on all these teams? Um, I'm trying to think who we've actually played. Um, we've played Icenia. Yeah. I think they're quite Yeah, different. I think, yeah, personally, we have not played yeah. that many of these teams as we have been more on the development but yeah I think yeah. we played smog actually and they were really good but were they, um, were they nice they were they're a bit mean but I don't know if that's just <laughs> that we're scared <laughs> um, they were just really good and we really weren't good but I'm sure they're lovely but I think I'm think I'm quite intimidated to play Iceni just because the reputation that they have yeah. I've been emailing their captain just out of the venue and she's been absolutely lovely so I'm sure it's fine um but just yeah a lot of the yeah they come with a big name and you're like oh a bit scared so but yeah I'm sure it's gonna be great on the day yeah they're coming at it with their GB shorts and we're coming at it with three years experience it's a bit scary you talked a bit about kind of the intimidation factor I suppose but you have a pretty diverse range of, of uh, experience in your team as well so you have people who played at a high level and who played on the same pitch of these people before so that's gonna how much is that gonna help 
I think that's going to massively help. Like, yeah, we've definitely got a diverse group of people. So as we've said, we've got people who have played GB um, in kind of like the recent cycles and when they were kids. And then we've got people who've been playing a year. So we've definitely kind of got, I would say, probably the most diverse experience. But I think the experience that we've got is going to be really helpful because yeah, they can kind of help all of the development players in terms of tactics to improve, like, individually. But, yeah, also just, it's quite nice to be able to just huck it to a GB player if yeah. it's not going well. Or if you're finding yourself in trouble, know that there's someone pretty reliable on the team there that can get you out of it, you know? Yeah, it's nice to know that you can develop yourself, but also have those experienced people there to kind of not save you, but give you a hand when things get sticky. Hucking it to a Martin twin has never gone wrong. That is true. Yeah, <laughs> a nice, a nice security blanket when things kind of yeah. go a little bit, a little bit um, off the off the rails. Um, yeah, it's nice to have something to aspire to as well. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. it's cool within our own club to have that level because you can look up to people that you're already playing with and be like, ah, oh, I could be like that one day. But you're like on the line with them, so that's quite nice. <laughs> and so, if you know, depending on how this league goes, obviously there'll be qualifications into internationals. Is the aim to qualify for nationals, or is the aim? more self-contained than that is it just kind of do as well as you can i mean obviously if we got to nationals that would be pretty cool yeah we wouldn't be upset if we got there (laughs) um but we were also managing expectations yeah yeah it's going to each game giving it our best go making sure everyone plays kind of their hardest and comes out of it feeling like they've learned something and have achieved what they wanted like want to achieve and have played well for themselves we yeah people will be better than us we're not denying that and that it, just knowing that that is the case, but still, if we can just give them a good game, that's kind of all we want out of this is develop red, play some good games, learn something. But they won't be better than us every point. True. We can be better in some points. Yes. And yeah, as long as everyone leaves satisfied and feeling good about themselves, then yeah, that's kind of our own personal development. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, I think I've mentioned this on a previous podcast, but um, I think given the work that the club's done over the last few years, I think it's very well deserved to have the spot in the National League. So I'm looking forward to seeing how you do and good luck in all your games. Thank you. Thank you. So moving on to the other teams in the women's division, um, Scram are the next team up. And Scram, uh, like the other Scottish teams, are in a pretty tough spot. Uh, they have been in a pretty tough spot. The regulations in Scotland will be changing tomorrow to allow them to train together in time for one or two sessions before the league starts, but that's obviously not great preparation. They've lost some important players as well, not least Ellie and Haley, who I already mentioned, who've moved down to London, but also Rachel Turton, who would have been playing with them in 2020. She's continuing to train with them, but is obviously commuting to Smog, training from St Andrews. So despite those losses, a few others, uh, and a difficult situation with the restrictions, an example of the situation they've had really is that they had a weekend training a few weeks ago with players coming from around Scotland to Edinburgh, but the players who were based in Glasgow had to meet separately in Glasgow because they weren't allowed to leave the city. Despite that, captain and Edinburgh legend Lulu Boyd was optimistic when I spoke to her about the athletic potential of some of the, the young women they've recruited. Uh, Scotland obviously has very strong university programmes, has had for some time now, and she's been growing in confidence for the season after each training session, after seeing the development that their young women are taking. The leadership has been really trying to encourage more and more women to play with them and getting as many of them as they can a taste of elite ultimate and getting back to the game and, and playing again after so long off because they're really focused on trying to ensure that the game recovers in Scotland post-pandemic. There were some concerns that it would be difficult to get everyone back into playing after so long off. So they're really focused on trying to 
generate that interest and, and bring people back to the sport, which is, is really great to hear. The situation is going to be difficult, obviously, because they have to travel quite a long way compared to everyone else, as Scottish teams usually do. But at least with normal tournaments, you get to travel all that way for five or six games in a weekend minimum. They're obviously traveling for one or two games. So it's going to be tough for them. It's going to be tough for every Scottish team. But they are excited for the season. I know Lulu was excited to see what they could do when I spoke to her. It sounds as though qualification for nationals is really the main aim for the season. But as with the other teams who finished in the top four previously, they are aware of the carrot that awaits for people who finish in the top three. They could be qualifying for Worlds. So we'll see what happens. It's going to be quite a young roster. They'll need to build you know, chemistry pretty quickly. But I feel confident in saying this team is a, a team with a high ceiling that can really build throughout the season. And I'm looking forward to seeing how they look at nationals because I think they need a bit of extra time than everyone else. They need that runway because they haven't had the time that every other team has had. And it's not as though anyone's had very much time. So that tells you just how little time they've had. The next team is Smog. And realistically, I'm not going to talk about Smog that much here because they have declined their place at nationals no matter what happens in the National League. So even if they're in the top three, they will not be taking a place at nationals in the women's division. So I'll talk about that squad mainly in the mixed division. But I will say this roster is really, really good. If they get all the women on this roster down to the league games, they have a legitimate chance at winning the whole thing. The depth is crazy. They have GB players up and down the team. And it's going to be fun, I think, to see if they really go for it and try to win two divisions. Because I do think if they try, they are capable of it. And the final team to talk about is Sick. Sick have been the nearly team, I suppose, in the UK for a few years now. They made the final of Nationals in 2017. Then in 18, they finished fourth. And in 19, they finished sixth. They lost out to Scram in sudden death uh, in the last game. So they'll be looking to address that kind of that kind of slide this year. Um, and they have a fairly familiar looking squad to try and do that, which is which is good because this team, I think, has a lot of connections in it that have been forged over a long period of time. They will rely on the all-round dynamism, athleticism of Captain Rupal Galani for big plays, but they have a lot of the solid players across the roster to try and help make an impact in those games. Better than solid players. They have some really good players. Alex Nevitt's a really good player. Hannah John's a really good player. Caitlin Wilson's an excellent handler. Ian Sham's a really good all-round player. And they have plenty of people who played in nationals, you know, finals and semis at those tournaments, as well as the Worlds. Um, so those people are used to playing big moments in big games. So the cohesion and the understanding and the chemistry that a lot of these players have together could prove really, really valuable in such a shortened, weird season where everybody else is still working to try and get on the same page. They do have some young new players. They do have some interesting new players. They've continued to link with Ultimate's most powerful, the UK Ultimate's most powerful family, recruiting uh, Emily Hill, cousin to their current player, Georgie, but also uh, daughter of Cy Hill, um, really good young player. They've also got some continuity with coaching, which I think is going to be a really important aspect of this. Uh, former player Phil Sturt returns um, in that capacity. She coached them in 2019 as well. And they have uh, former coach James Burbage returning in, in a similar capacity as well. So they have a lot of people who know what SICK is, what SICK is about and how SICK plays, both coaching and playing. And that kind of chemistry and cohesion, I think, could put them a couple of steps ahead of a few teams at this stage. So... They're going to be aiming to take that third spot at WCC if one is available. Um, and I think they look pretty well equipped to do so. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they stack up against teams like Bristol Icini and Scram early on. And I think really 
all the teams in this division, having gone through so much change, it's going to be fascinating to see how those teams are able to get on the same page. What's the offense going to look like? What's the defense is going to look like? And what are the teams going to look like in August compared to what they look like this weekend? I think we're going to be looking at a completely different division once we get to nationals. And I'm looking forward to seeing how it all shakes out. I think it's a difficult one to predict. I think there's intrigue at the top. There's intrigue for the world spots. And I think it's going to be really fun to see who comes out on top. The Open Division, I think, was the division with the most controversy when the National League was announced. In the other divisions, the top six are reasonably easy to pick out, and I think the UKUs has done a good job in doing so. In the Open Division, it was a bit more complicated because there was a couple of other teams who were just outside that top six that had a decent shout at being included. I think the top four in the Open Division stand out from everybody else. I think there's not too much argument to that. But it's the final two places where the controversy came in. Controversy might be the wrong word, where the uncertainty came in. So Kapow and Emo were the two teams that were chosen for the National League. So we'll be talking about them today. Fire and Brighton were the two kind of prime candidates who, who could have been selected, who were not, and who are going to be playing in the National Cup. So we'll be talking about them next week. So to turn to the teams that we're going to be looking at today, if we start with Alba, if we go alphabetically, uh, in Alba's first season in 2019, they pushed Chevron to sudden death in the quarterfinals of Nationals. And after losing that, managed to come all the way back through a gauntlet of Irish teams to finish in fourth in the 4-5 uh, game. They played Devon, uh, game to go to Euros, pressurised game, and they were able to win by five. They had a very strange Euros, to be honest. Uh, they went on to finish eighth, but they beat eventual fourth place team Real Five in sudden death in the pool, and they beat Costa Rica Grandes comfortably in the pool as well. In the quarterfinal, they lost to Real 5 in a pretty, pretty easy fashion. I mean, it was a four or five point game. I think Real 5 are an experienced team. They've got a lot of players who play for Russia in big situations, and that kind of experience can really tell in, in situations like the quarterfinals of the European Championships. And in, they played Costa Rica Grandes in their final game, uh, another rematch, and got absolutely trounced. But to be honest, I think a huge factor there was that it looked like from the social media channels that the Alba squad had a very nice time on their final night at Euros. So I think you can probably discount that result slightly. You take their whole season and look at it objectively, and it is an absolutely fantastic success. They finished fourth in the country. They finished eighth in Europe. For any team in any division, that is a great result for your first season. They have great strength in depth. They still do have great strength in depth. They have players who have played for Great Britain, on the 24 level, at senior level, at masters level, just not very many players in this squad that are weak links. The team from 2019 has been augmented by a couple of people coming back from time abroad. People like Andy Dick and Chris Habgood, for example, are back in the squad and will be playing with Albert this season. They are going to be looking to make a run at Worlds. The aforementioned results against Chevron and Devon are where a lot of the interest lies this season. They obviously pushed Chevron to sudden death in the quarterfinals at Nationals. They beat Devon fairly comfortably at Nationals. It does look as though they are one of the four teams that are better than the rest. But with three spots at Worlds, one of those four teams is going to be missing out. Alba are going to be targeting one of those places and they have a really good chance to take it. I spoke to one of their captains, Cameron Mackey. Let's hear what Mackey had to say. 
All right, I'm joined now by Cameron Mackey, one of the captains of Alba. Thanks for talking to me. In terms of this season, okay. kind of how are, how are things looking? Are you looking forward to getting back out there and playing again? Uh, yeah, I think we're all really looking forward to it. It's been far too long. Yeah, the squad's looking good. We've added some new faces from the last time everyone has seen us in 2019. So we're excited and ready to go, hopefully. So last season, the last season we had, third in the country, well, no, fourth in the country uh, behind Randler, so I suppose it doesn't really count, but fourth and then eighth in Europe. Pretty good first season, all things considered. Are you looking to build on that? Like, what's the what's the aim in 2021? Yeah, we're definitely going to build on that. Um, we've got picked up some new people that are some returning faces that have been abroad or whatever for a couple of years and improved the squad. And we're, our goal really for this season is Worlds or Worlds qualification. So that'll be top three in the UK. Um, and that's the main aim. And it's just sort of to try and, and progress and improve and get better as a team. I know the usually for Scottish teams, it's tough coming down to tournaments in, in England. You've obviously got three kind of game weekends in, in neutral venues. Um, what's the, how are you feeling about the structure? How's, a, how's the team feeling about the kind of the travel aspect of it and, and going down for those couple of games? Um, probably not thrilled, but <laughs> there's not really much we can do about it. I suppose we would be travelling for the tours down to England, so it's effectively the same. Well, it's probably less travelling because it's a bit closer for us. But you are also only playing a couple of games max um, on a day. So we're not particularly keen on it continuing, hoping it's just a one-year thing. But we have to wait and see. Um, so, yeah. It's a, I suppose in the current climate, it's the best they could sort of do from the current situation. So we sort of are accepting of it if we're not overly excited by it. Yeah, that's fair. And then... Finally, I suppose Scotland has had to deal with different regulations to, you know, most of us have had to deal with in England. Preparation-wise, how difficult has that been to kind of manage around? How have you managed to, to do it? Yeah, it's been quite tough. Um, the Scottish government typically aren't as, well, I don't know if you could say forward planning as Boris Johnson. I don't know if you call it planning, but um, <laughs> you just sort of put out these dates from like months ago saying we'll, do, we'll change it on this date. Whereas we've been a lot more every so often she'll just say, oh, we'll let you know in a few weeks. And then so we sort of are constantly having to change what we're saying. And um, so Glasgow is currently still in a tier three, which I'm sure for the English people don't understand that. But that basically in Frisbee terms means that we can't force or mark or play any real Frisbee. It's just all drills. Um, so that changes Saturday and then we'll finally be able to actually play games. So in that sense, we're probably six weeks behind English teams have been playing games for a while. So we're just going to have to try and be as efficient as possible to catch up and not lose too much ground. First game against Chevron in Durham. Uh, obviously, that was a pretty big game in 2019, pushed them to sudden death in the quarterfinals. Uh, are you looking to come out with a statement there or is that a case of trying to find your feet and like settle into the season a bit? What's the, what are you thinking there? I'd love to say, come out, I don't know, I think we could beat them, but I would love it to be a bit later on because I think it'd be a great game if we played them in the end of July, whereas I don't know, presumably they've trained a lot more than us. Um, saying that, I still think it's possible, but it probably puts us a bit more of a disadvantage than we'd like to be. But we'll give it our best shot. <laughs> Who knows? Fingers crossed, see them in August as well. And uh, thank you for that one. I yeah, no. that's good. So the next team alphabetically to talk about is Chevron. And Chevron, everybody knows Chevron. They finished second in 10 of the last 12 seasons. And 
have qualified for three World Ultimate Club Championships in a row. The fact that they are so spread out across the country means it was probably difficult for the whole squad to meet during the pandemic and they weren't able to train between Euros 2019, where they finished third after losing to Clapham in the semi-final, and this summer. Um, they have had several sessions in the last couple of weeks before any competition and they'll have their usual mix of talent and relative youth and experience that, that should help them seal a spot in the top three in the National League. They have lost a couple of important cogs from the 2019 team, Nick Williams and Tom Bennett, who both have smogged this season. Uh, but they have picked up some very useful players like former Clapham and Great Britain players, Lloyd Cheeseman and Robbie Haynes. Largely, I think Chevron are going to have a pretty similar roster to 2019. And I am confident that a team with this much talent and high level big game experience is going to be able to make nationals. I think we're going to be talking about them later in the season, but it's worth pointing out they were pushed harder than they have been pushed in a long time by Alba at nationals in 2019. And that Alba team has grown in confidence, has added a couple of really useful players, has added a bit of experience. I think 2021 is going to be a year that Chevron get pushed a bit more than they are used to on a game-to-game, tournament-to-tournament basis. So I think Alba are going to push them a bit more than they might expect. I think Devon are probably going to be in a good position to push them pretty hard. But overall, I would be backing Chevron, I think, to come out of the National League and to and to be really heavily involved when we're looking to hand out the national title. It's going to be really interesting to see how the layoff has affected them. The next thing to talk about is Clapham. And again, as with Chevron, everyone knows Clapham. Clapham are coming into a season for the first time since 2012, having lost their last game. They relinquished the European title that they had won seven times in a row to Kuzb from Bologna late in 2019. Clapham are the most successful team in Europe for a reason, though. They are still incredibly deep and talented, and they will be the benchmark for all the other teams to measure themselves against again this year. Their roster is pretty familiar. If you know anything about UK Ultimate and the GB national teams, you know most of these players. I think losing players like Robbie Haynes and Matt Parslow will obviously have an effect, but they've added some really good young talent. They've added Josh Orcock, and they've added a couple of younger players to try and develop them into contributors for the years to come. But they still have most of the players that everyone will recognise, most of the players that have been instrumental in winning all these titles, not least Justin Ford is still around. This is a landmark season for Clapham. They are going for their 20th national and 10th European titles. They've also won four silvers and won bronze in European competition. That fact definitely isn't lost on them. And there is even a team of Clapham legends trying to spoil the party this season. But I have a feeling they're going to deal with that added pressure pretty well. Captain Josh Briggs uh, has said that they've been training for some time now. They've been training since late March. And they are looking to come out and make a statement and really set right what they think went wrong in 2019. They are due to start their season against Emo this weekend. I believe there are some concerns around that game and whether it can be played this weekend. But whenever Clapham start, they're looking to be starting with a bang and really setting out their stallers, the team to beat again, as they are every year in the United Kingdom. Next up is Devon, and Devon have been building a team for a long time now, and recently have started branching out into building more of a club as well. They have Devon, the main team, now based largely in Bristol, as more of the core players have migrated a bit further north as they've gotten older, but they also have Exeter, which is a feeder team trying to continue the development in Devon Ultimate that they've seen in recent years. That Exeter team will have strong ties to Air Badgers, the most successful junior programme in the UK, They've won nine of the ten last junior outdoor titles. So there's real growth for the future in Devon. 
The present, though, is also looking pretty good. They will still have a good coaching setup, led by Mike Lewis, and retain a lot of the leaders they've had in recent years, but they have added some new blood since we last saw them. They're more of a national team than ever. They've got players from as far away as Leeds, the Midlands, Reading, even London, as well as Devon in the Southwest, and that really adds depth to their roster. Former Ranala captain Kian Quinn will step into a captaining role this year, and players like former Brighton and fire handler Tom Mannings, long-time Chevron stalwart Will Caesar Cornelius, former Reading tall person tall Jamie Rabbits, and Mighty Hucks captain Ben Bruin are among the variety of new players on the 39-man squad. I think this is a really good athletic team. I think they have enough players to really cause problems to the big teams, and obviously they're going to be wanting to qualify for Worlds, having gone in 2018. That's their focus. That's their aim. They have enough players and enough talent here to make that a possibility. Next up is Kapow, and Kapow gone through more changes, I think, than the other teams that we've talked about so far. They have lost a few experienced and integral players for various reasons. Players like Tim Gilboy, he's now at Deep Space. Players like Ben Davis and Josh Broughton, they aren't in the country anymore. That means that this is probably going to be a more youthful-looking Kapow than we've seen before, based on the friendlies that they've played against, against Fire and speaking to the captains. They haven't held a trial process as such. They've had more of a inviting people to sessions, and if they've been able to hold their own, they've been invited to join the squad. Former captains Ben Giles and Ben Norris and Will Smith are still around, along with nine or ten other stalwarts for this year's captains Max Rex and Lucas Main to call on. But I think the objective for this season, which is confirmed by their captains, is kind of building towards 2022, using some of those younger players, giving them the experience to, to make Kapow back into a, a top five, top six team moving forward. I think the National League is going to be a really tough gauntlet for them because they have to t compete against four teams that are ready and raring to go to compete for a world spot. I think they're aware that the most realistic pass sees them in a game to go against a team from the Cup, uh, and the aim is to make it to Nationals and, and see what can happen from there. Obviously the Cup teams could be strong. We have Fire and Brighton most likely aiming to come back up. You have Clapham Legends down there, smashed a team that are new this year and who look particularly strong. And who knows what other teams look like as well. That's just a couple that I've named. With so much turnover, though, this season is all going to be about building chemistry for Kapow, bringing those young players just out of university on and developing a team that can push on from next season to a place where Kapow will be in plenty of time is pushing for Euros. They are playing Devon first up in, in London. In 2019, those teams were closely matched in the first half of their game at Nationals, but in the second half, Devon eased away a bit. Devon have added depth since then and have made it clear that they want to be competing at the top, so it's going to be a really great early test for the young Londoners. The final team to talk about is Emo. Um, I am flying blind a little here. I haven't been able to talk to their captains. I've only been able to talk to a couple of people about Emo um, who are kind of loosely connected to the team uh, or used to play for the team and follow some of their warm-up stuff. I know that they played uh, Lemington Lemmings open team, which looked like a pretty strong Lemmings team to me, but they were able to beat Emo pretty comfortably from the looks of it. So from what I know of the people who used to play Emo that are now in London or have stopped playing, it's going to be a difficult season for Emo, just as it will be for Kapow. I think they're going to have to be relying on some younger players who haven't necessarily been in the roles they're going to be asked to play before. And I think it's going to be a difficult one for them to keep the level of consistency that they've had over the last few years. Emo have been bringing through young players and have been kind of replacing the older leadership as they've been leaving for a number of years now from you know, they qualified for 2014 Worlds and were able to still be competitive a number of times after that. But losing the kind of players they have, losing the number of players they have, you're looking at people like 
Felix Martin, who's come to London, is now playing with Clapham. Some of the guys who used to play for uh, Lead are now playing with Fire. Ben Poole, their longtime leader, captain, uh, best player, I don't believe is, is playing Frisbee anymore, so they've lost him as well. It's going to be a difficult season, I think, for Emo, but the talent in the Midlands is always there, and I'm sure they're going to be trying to put forward their best effort. I think realistically we're going to see them in a crossover against the team from the National Cup. Again, as I said with Kapow, the teams coming up from the National Cup could be really good, could be really tight games. So we'll just have to see how Emo are able to deal with that. Uh, as I said in the Clapham section, they are supposed to be playing Clapham this weekend. My understanding is that there's some logistical issues uh, that mean that game might not happen this weekend necessarily, but whenever Emo play, I'll be interested to see how the team looks. And hopefully they are able to pull together a team that can grow together, that can develop, that can build some chemistry, and it can push them towards nationals. So that's the open division. Uh, just so we have a kind of Prediction in the books. Uh, I know everyone likes predictions. I'm thinking that uh, the top two are definitely going to be Clapham and Chevron. Personally, I don't really see Devon and Alba being able to get Chevron this early. Once we get to Nationals, I think they have a better chance. And if I had to pick between Devon and Alba, I think I would pick Alba for that third spot. But I have absolutely no doubt that we will see Devon at Nationals. Whoever comes through the National Cup and draws Devon in a game to go, if they do draw Devon in a game to go, uh, is going to be very unhappy with that matchup because I don't really see any of the teams in the cup being Devon. So there we go. Uh, that is the podcast. That is all of the teams previewed. Hopefully everyone is excited about this season. I know I am, getting back to competitive ultimate. As I've said a couple of times in this podcast, we're going to be previewing the National Cup next week. We'll also be looking back at the results from this weekend and talking about the games and what that might teach us about the season to come. But in the meantime, if you're training this weekend, enjoy. If you're playing games this weekend, best of luck. Whatever you do, please do it safely. And I will speak to you all soon.